0: Das hier
1: ist mein Sektor.
0: Das hier ist das wichtigste Gerät des Kistenbestatters. Das Gerät ist das,
1: das Überlebensradar. Mayday, Mayday. Hello, can you hear us? Can you hear us? Can you? Ah. Over. We are sinking. We are sinking. Hello? This is the German Coast Guard. What are you thinking about?
0: Understanding what someone else is saying is really important, isn't it? Even a small miscommunication uh, can have a really serious impact. You're all going to be laughing about that for the next half hour, aren't you? (laughs) That's why learning a language is so difficult. Especially for someone like me, like I hold up my hand, I'm terrible at languages. Always was, I think it always will be, I'm I'm the world's worst at thinking about uh, remembering languages. But this can be an issue, even if we are speaking the same language. When we came to Enniscorthy at first, there was a a local Irish couple, a really nice Irish couple that we met and who came to one of our Bible studies. And after a few weeks, the guy apologised to Lorna. Because you really couldn't understand anything that Lorna said. (laughs) But that was okay because Lorna couldn't understand anything that he said either. But God doesn't want that to happen when we're meeting together as a church. So in this next section of his letter to the Corinthians, Paul taught the Corinthians that they had to be really careful in their use of spiritual gifts. Because God wanted them and wants us to understand. So we're going to read quite a lengthy passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 down to verse 25. And Bran is going to come up and he's going to read it for us. Thank you, Bran.
1: Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter my mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater, greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will it be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophesy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner, to the speaker and the speaker is foreigner to me so it is with you since you are eager for gifts of the spirit try to excel in those that build up church for this reason the one who speaks in tongue should pray that the, that they may interpret what they said for if I pray in tongue my spirit prays but my mind is unfruitful so what shall i do i will pray with my spirit but i will also pray with my understanding I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say Amen to your thanksgiving, since they do not know what you you are saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. In the law is written, with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to these people. But even they, even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues, then, are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquires, or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under Judgment by all, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, "God is really among you."
0: As we've seen over the last few weeks, each gift of the Holy, that the Holy Spirit gives to believers in Jesus is really valuable. So we're not surprised here that Paul said, "Follow the way of love, and eagerly desire spiritual gifts." Because they are precious gifts that were given by God that empower and equip us to minister, to serve God's people. And in this passage, Paul focuses mainly on two of these spiritual gifts. The the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues. Now, we often think of prophecy as foretelling something that's going to happen in the future. But that doesn't seem to be the focus of New Testament prophecy. Instead, this is a message from the Lord that comes through a member of the church under the inspiration of the the Spirit. And it's given to build up the church. And Paul clearly valued prophecy. He wrote to the Thessalonians, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with Contempt. So that's the gift of prophecy. The second gift is the gift of tongues or languages, as it could really be translated. This gift enables somebody to speak in a language that they haven't learned in the usual way. But there's kind of a lot of controversy around that gift. One of the controversies is about what that language really is. Some people think that it must be another human language. Like what happened at Pentecost. You remember when when the disciples were all together and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they all spoke in other languages. So that the people of Jerusalem were, were bewildered because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. And Paul, he does talk about different human languages here. For example, in verse 10, he said, there are all sorts of languages in the world. So this gift might be the gift of being able to speak another language that you haven't learned, which would be really helpful if you're sitting on an exam on that, wouldn't it? But some people think that this also might refer to a heavenly language, a, a language that nobody on earth would really naturally understand. Some people would point to chapter 13, verse 1, when Paul spoke about the tongues of men and of angels. But whatever that gift is, whatever those languages are, Paul again highly valued this gift. Verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So Paul had this gift. So both prophecy and tongues were valuable gifts from God to his church. But if that is true, if both of those gifts were valuable, how could Paul say to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy? Why especially the gift of prophecy? If all gifts are valuable, why are some more desirable? And how could Paul say, verse 5, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy." Now, this isn't going to happen. This is just Paul expressing his desire. None of us, or in any church, everybody isn't going to be able to speak in tongues, or everybody isn't going to be able to prophesy. Paul said that in chapter 12 at the end of it. None of the spiritual gifts are given to everybody in his church. But why, if both gifts are valuable, could Paul say that he'd prefer us to have the gift of prophecy rather than tongues? Well, Paul went on to explain how it's because of the fundamental differences between those two gifts. So first of all, it's because prophecy speaks to people, but the gift of tongues speaks to God. Look at verse 2. Anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. The gift of tongues does not directly equip us to communicate with other people. Instead, it enables the person to communicate more intimately with God. It enables them to praise and worship God unrestricted by the confines of their own language. This is actually what happened in Pentecost when the people were were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues, they weren't actually speaking to the people at that point. Instead, the international crowd in Jerusalem reported, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own language. They were praising God and the crowds overheard them. So this gift of tongues is an amazing gift. To be able to have that more direct, more uninhibited Communication with God. It's a wonderful gift. But prophecy is more desirable. Because it equips people to share the truth of God with other people. Look at verse 3. Everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement and comfort. So prophecy is better... Because it enables people to share the truth about God to people. Truth that will build others up in their faith in God. Truth that will come alongside and encourage them to follow God. Or that will console and comfort them and give them greater hope in God. And because of this, secondly, prophecy edifies the church, builds up The church. Whereas tongues edify or build up only the speaker. Verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. It's a really good thing when somebody uses their gift of tongues to worship God, and as a result, they're encouraged and they're built up in their faith. That's a good thing. But it's an even better thing when somebody uses the gift of prophecy and shares something from God to the church, and the church is built up in their faith. That's because in that case, it's an expression of the way of love that we were looking at last week or a couple of weeks ago. That unconditional, self giving, sacrificial love that God wants to, to have as a priority in our lives. So when somebody comes and shares, they are expressing love to people because they're seeking to build up the church, not just themselves. And that's why Paul wanted to, this church to make prophecy rather than tongues a priority in their lives. Verse 12. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. So instead of getting excited and focused about gifts that seem impressive or spectacular or make you look good in front of others, Paul wanted us to focus on gifts that would really encourage The church to grow. So when we're thinking about what spiritual gifts that you want or that we want as a body of believers, then we should be really thinking, well, what does our church need? Where are the needs in our church, and and how God please give those gifts so that we can meet those needs, whether it's maybe encouragement or teaching or 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 hearing from God or, or needing comfort or strengthening. It's about seeking to say, how can we minister to others? How can we serve others? Not looking for the most spectacular or the impressive. And the reason why prophecy builds up the church, but tongues only build up the speaker, is because prophecy is understood where tongues are not. Look at verse 6. If I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you? Unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction. We can't be encouraged or we can't be built up. We can't be comforted if we don't understand what is being said. And Paul illustrated that in three ways in this passage. He really wanted to emphasise this point. So he used three illustrations to, to, to focus on this. First of all, it's with music How will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? We can only recognise and enjoy a piece of music if the notes are accurately played in an understandable way. And if it's not, then the result is really unpleasant, isn't it? And we're very grateful for our worship team that they do a really good job of playing the notes properly, aren't we? Then secondly, with the military... Verse 8, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So a trumpet or a bugle was used to instruct an army when to get ready for battle, or when to retreat, or when to stay. But if that sound is not clear, if it's not distinct, if it's not easily understood, then the soldiers won't understand the orders, and they won't know what to do. And then thirdly, just with conversation, Paul says... Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone else know what you're saying? If we're not speaking the same language, then we're like foreigners to each other. And there's no benefit for our communication. And that's the same with tongues. If people don't understand what we're saying, they'll get no benefit from it at all. Unless, Paul says, it's interpreted. Unless someone hears what is being said and through God's empowerment they interpret it, they explain it to the church so that they can understand. So Paul says in verse 13, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what he says. And so these are the reasons why Every gift is valuable that God gives. But the gift of prophecy is more desirable for a church than the gift of tongues. Because it speaks to people. It builds up the church. And it is understood. So what can we learn from from that? That we can apply to our church today? Well, I think the simple lesson that we need to grab hold of is that when we meet together as a church, we need to focus on what is intelligible, what is clear, what is understandable. That's what we need to focus on when we meet together. So yes, it is great when we meet together and we feel God's presence. When our hearts are, are stirred up, when our, when our spirit just soars with the music or with, with just being together. When we want to praise and worship God because our hearts are just full of excitement or enjoyment. But God also wants to engage our minds. Look at verse 14. If I pray in a tongue... My spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Because he doesn't know what he's saying. So what should I do? I will pray with my spirit, but also I will pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. So Paul valued this gift of tongues. He knew the personal benefit that this gift gave to him as it enabled him to connect with God in a way that was unrestricted uh, by his vocabulary. But he also knew the greater value of prayer and worship that fully engaged his mind. That was based on his understanding of who God is and what he has done. It was based on his knowledge of scripture. That was based on his language ability. And that he struggled to get the words to express what was on his heart. Paul wanted to connect with God with every aspect of who he was. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then he said to the woman at the the, the well at Sychar, John chapter 4, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. So, spirit and truth. Love the Lord your God with your heart and your mind. So, as a church, we need to sing songs of worship that will engage both our hearts, both our feelings, our emotions, our, our souls, but also our heads. That will our emotions but will also stretch our thinking, stretch our minds that will stir up our thinking with great thoughts of who God is and we want to continue to study God's word together, even wrestling with difficult to understand passages like in this letter so that we'll both learn to grow deeper in our love for God as well as our understanding of about God and of God. God wants to engage our minds. He doesn't want us to switch our brains off when we come in the door and just feel. Feelings are important. Emotions are important. But he also wants us to think and understand and learn. But as we do this, as we try and engage our minds, we need to try and be as clear and understandable As we can. Because God wants us to involve all of us in our times together. Have a look at verse 16. If you are praising God with your spirit, how can one who finds himself among those who do not understand say Amen to your thanksgiving? Since he doesn't know what you're saying. Now, Amen is a statement that something is true. Or something is correct. So when we say Amen, when someone is praying or preaching, then we're declaring that we agree with them. We're saying, yes, I agree. Absolutely. Me too, Lord. I want that as well. Please, Lord, let that be. And God wants all of us to do that in church. He doesn't want our, our church gatherings to be times when two or three people just come up the front and speak and everybody else just sits passively listening. He wants all of us to actively engage in this, to be a community experience. He wants us to speak out our amens or amens when we're impacted by what, we, what is said. When we're encouraged by a truth that is shared. When we agree wholeheartedly with a prayer that is prayed. So, please do that. It's biblical. Please say Amen. Enthusiastically or confidently if you can. Or if that's not the kind of personality you have and, and I know what that's like. Say it quietly. Say it subtly. Go, mm or whatever you want to do. But say Amen. Express the fact that you're part of this, that you agree, that yes, Lord, that's my prayer too. God wants all of us to be involved in this, to be engaged in our time together. Because we're all here as a kingdom of priests with that direct access into God's presence through our faith in Jesus. But of course, if God wants us all to be able to say amen to what is being said in church, we need to understand what is being said. So we need to speak to each other in plain and simple language. We need to jettison jargon that might confuse or might hide what we're trying to say. We want to be able to speak as clearly as, and directly and, and, and understandably as possible. This is why when we're, when we're preaching, I use a, a more modern version of the Bible. Not because it's the only Bible that's a good Bible, but because it's a little bit more understandable for people. It's also why we typically sing more modern songs of worship. not Certainly not because the old songs are bad. And we also try and sing some old songs but with maybe revised words so that we do understand what we're singing. Because we need to engage our minds. We want our songs to be able to be understood. We're not trying to dumb down church. Because we're still called to engage in mind-blowing truths. But we want to be able to connect with those truths in a way that as many people as possible can understand. Church is not a place where you stand up and use all the big words you can can, to try and show off how intelligent you are. Because if people don't understand, then that's a waste of time. It's a time when we use the clearest, the simplest, the most understandable language. So we're really communicating with each other. So we're we're really building each other up. But lastly, this passage also teaches us that God wants us to impact those who visit us in their church. Verse 23 If the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, will they not say that you're out of your mind? We love to see new people coming to church don't we? Especially those who have not put their faith and trust in Jesus. We always want to be a church that has an well. I was going to say an open door. We actually have an open door these days because of ventilation. But you know what I mean. <laughs> we want to be a welcoming church to those who come in to just to, even to check us out to see what, what was going on to see what this church is all about. But if we don't speak or sing or share in an understandable way then we're actually just raising barriers to people to coming to faith. We'll be making it harder for them to hear God's truth. But then Paul goes on to say, verse 24, but if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced that he, by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare so he will fall down and worship God exclaiming, God is really among you. you ever had an experience like that? Ever come to church and what is being shared sounds like it's just for you? A while, is... Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Isn't it great when it happens? When somebody is just speaking right to you, it's as if God has just given that person a message for you. And this is what we want those who come and visit us as a a church. We want them to experience. To hear God's voice speaking clearly to them. So that they can understand the amazing good news of the gospel. So that they can see their guilt before God. So they can understand the power and the message of the cross. So they can reach out in faith to put their trust in Jesus. So if that's our goal, then we need to share that gospel, share that good news, as clearly and as understandably and attractively as possible. Because this is the way of love. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And we are called to love this world so much that we will do everything that we can to clearly and compassionately point people to this Saviour, to our Saviour. So folks, clear communication is important in many different aspects of life. But it's absolutely vital in church. Because in church we're not just dealing with matters of life and death, like in that little video clip. We're dealing with matters of eternal life or eternal death. So how we speak and function as a church can either help people to get to know Jesus and put their trust in Jesus and follow Jesus or it can be a barrier to that. So let's commit ourselves to using the spiritual gifts that God has given to build up His church and to point people to Jesus.